1: Hello, welcome to the New Books in Jewish Studies podcast. I'm your host, Ari Barbalat. Today it is my blessing and my honor to be in dialogue with Simon Gaze He is the editor of the new book, Romania and the Holocaust Events, Contexts, Aftermath, published in Stuttgart by Ibidem Verlag 2016. Simon is Ambassador for Peace and Human Rights at the Swiss Federal Department of Foreign Affairs. Simon, it is my absolute delight to be in dialogue with you today.
0: Thank you so much, uh, Ari. Thank you for having me. It's a great pleasure to be with you today. Thank you.
1: To begin, please tell us about yourself. Where did you grow up? What formative events in your life inspired your interest in this topic?
0: First of all, I have to get off a a little disclaimer, I just wanted to underline that, uh, of course, I'm here on your podcast as a private person, as a trained historian, but not as a diplomat, Uh, and everything I say here and also whatever I've written in the past uh, was done or is done in my private capacity. Now, I'm, uh, I'm from Switzerland. I got very interested in Eastern European history and more specifically in Eastern European Jewish history already in high school. I think the main trigger for this interest were the stories, the short stories of Isaac Bashevis Singer, the uh, Yiddish writer, Nobel Prize winner, I think in 1979. I simply adored his stories about the shtetl And uh, these stories triggered my interest in Eastern European Jewish history. I then went on to study history. I have never had a course in Jewish history. Uh, It was not offered at University of Bern, Switzerland, and neither in the United States, where I studied for two semesters. But then I was uh, posted as a diplomat in Romania. And in Romania, I reconnected with this interest um, with Eastern European Jewish history. I started to document uh, the Jewish cemeteries, uh, the synagogues, in the borderlands between Romania, Moldova, and Ukraine. Uh, very beautiful, often very small cemeteries in small towns, and in villages, most of them completely neglected because there are no more Jews in these communities, but very beautiful places, uh, some of the gravestones dating from the 16th century, not very well known, and this was really a, a passion I had while I served in, in Romania and visited these, these places. published four or five books where, in which I documented these, these places, these Jewish heritage sites. And then slowly uh, I got interested in the Holocaust perpetrated in these areas, which were controlled by Romania uh, after the summer of 1941. And out of this interest, I published a first book. It's a monograph. It was published in German. It's called Bloody July. And it's, it is about the Holocaust perpetrated in Romanian controlled territories. And after that, I decided to also edit the volume in English. And that's the book we talk about today, Romania and the Holocaust.
1: What are the primary themes in this book? What message does this book convey?
0: So. The book uh, has three subtitles in a way, three elements in the subtitle. One is events, the second one is context, and the third one is aftermath. So, the book is first of all about what happened, what happened after July 1941 when the Romanian armed forces, sometimes together with the German Wehrmacht, invaded the Soviet Union, invaded these territories which are today part of the Republic of Moldova and of Ukraine. And what happened there in the in, in the first wave were massacres of Jews. Later on, there was the deportation of the Jews in these territories to the ghettos of Transnistria, again in uh, Romanian-controlled territories. And the whole story until 1944, the liberation. Uh, so this is the, the events, then we have the context. I think it's very important to underline that um, the Holocaust in Romania was not just falling out of the sky like a meteorite, but there was a basis for it, a foundation, ideological foundation, propaganda, and so on. And I think to understand the context uh, well is important to understand also why it happened and um, also to understand the events as such. And then a third element that I'm interested in and we try to tackle in this book is the aftermath. The aftermath is very murky because immediately after, almost immediately after the Second World War, the Holocaust in the Soviet controlled, now in the Soviet controlled uh, Eastern Bloc became a taboo. It was no longer possible to talk about it until uh, the end of the Cold War when the archives opened up again. And it was a very difficult phase also then, and I think we'll come back to that a bit later. So the book really tries to have a, a full uh, view of what the Holocaust in Romania means, going beyond just the chronology and events, but look at it in a, in a more holistic way.
1: What would you like listeners to get out of our dialogue today?
0: When I started to research uh, Romania and the Holocaust, I got aware of the fact that there is relatively little research done, not that many publications about this issue, and very, very little public knowledge. I myself, as a trained historian, I never thought that I would do research about the Holocaust because I was always of the opinion uh, there are few issues that are so well researched where everything is known. But this is not true. And it's especially not true about the Holocaust perpetrated. In Romanian-controlled territories, and we might come back to the reason why this is the case. So I really had an urge to dig deeper, to better understand what had happened, to go to the sources, to go to the survivors' testimonies, also, uh, which were uh, one of my m- main sources in in my research, which I did in Jerusalem, in in Washington, but also, of course, in the region itself, and in a way. It was also this urge to leave something for, for the victims and for their families. I, I strongly believe that memory and remembrance has something to do with justice. And I wanted to give a, a voice to these these victims, which have been in a way a bit forgotten. Um, if you would ask someone here on the street in in, in Vorp, which is a, a small uh, place close to Bern, the capital of Switzerland, if you would ask a young person here, what is the Holocaust? What what does what comes to your mind when you hear holocaust i think most of especially young people would say if they would say anything they would say auschwitz and obviously auschwitz is is this extremely strong symbol of the holocaust and it's it's important it's key but i think very few people understand that maybe 3 million Jews have not been killed in a death camp or in a concentration camp but they have been killed over in a wood somewhere, or in a little village, in a ghetto, uh, over a pit somewhere in, in Eastern Europe. And the story from the Holocaust in Romania is also the story of these Jews, of these three million Jews killed in, in these Eastern European places. And it's it's a... Unfortunately, it's a forgotten part of the Holocaust. Of course, researchers know very well about it, but uh, I think in public it's not very well known. And it was really my strong wish to to talk about it, first research it and talk about it, and to give these victims and their families also a small voice with with
1: these books. Can you comment on Elie Wiesel's role in Holocaust commemoration in Romania?
0: Elie Wiesel was really instrumental in starting a process of dealing with the past in, in Romania. After the end of the Cold War, Romania did not want to deal with its past. It did not want to come to grips uh, with what had happened in the Second World War. Romania was the main ally of Nazi Germany. Militarily, uh, more than 300,000 Jews were killed by Romanian perpetrators in territories controlled by Romania. This was a part of the Holocaust that was more or less independently implemented, more or less independently from the Germans implemented by, by the Romanians. So Elie Wiesel was very important to raise this issue. And he was also the president of the International Commission on the Holocaust in Romania, which was formed in 2003 and published a very important report in 2004. It's called The Final Report about the Holocaust in Romania. It's uh, it's an extremely important book because it's the first one which really looks at this topic in, in full depth. And Elie Wiesel was, was instrumental because he was the face of this international commission. And he spoke with a lot of authority. He was not always very well li- liked in Romania because obviously, as I said before, the Holocaust was still in the early 2000s, kind of a taboo. People didn't want to talk about it. And Elie Wiesel gave a face to this commission, and he gave a face to the Holocaust in Romania. And obviously, what he did went well beyond Romania, but he was really instrumental in the way Romania started to deal with its past.
1: Can you describe the violence against Jews in Stanesti de Jos? What specifically took place there?
0: So, Stalansiv de is a small village. It's in today's Czernivtzi oblast in Ukraine. It was, uh, back then, it was a part of the Soviet Union in summer of, of 1941. And when the Romanian troops started to move into the Soviet Union, into northern Bukovina, what is now uh, uh, Oblast, and also into Bessarabia, but Stanishti de Jost is in, uh, is in northern Bukovina. Uh, there were massive uh, pogroms, massacre of Jews all over the place and also as a specific example in Stanishti de Jost. Um, there are a couple of very good articles about this, especially Vladimir Solonari, a historian who is teaching in Florida, has written a, an article about Stanashi de Jos, which is, is quite remarkable. And he looks at the local dynamics you had, often in these places, and we will come back to that, you had violence of the Gentiles, uh, of the neighbors of the Jews, against their Jewish neighbors. Killings, uh, Jews were rounded up. Um, that's exactly what happened in Stanashi de Jos, and then also executed. Many of these executions in many of the places happened before the Romanian army moved in. In some other places, uh, they happened uh, when the Romanian army uh, moved in, and they were perpetrated by uh, the Romanian military or by the Romanian gendarmerie the police. And you had also some places where the Romanians uh, worked together with the Germans, with the Wehrmacht. So you had all kinds of different constellations And uh, we will talk about them in some more detail. But Stanashiris is one of these places which is relatively well researched. What we cannot say about many, many other places where we know that massacres happened, but we know very little about local dynamics.
1: Can you tell us about the July 1941 events in Borivtsi? Can you tell us about the massacre of Jews that transpired there?
0: Um, that's one of the articles in my volume. It was written by Alti Rodal. It's called A Village Massacre The Particular and the Context. It's a, a very important contribution because, as I told you before, we know very little about specific places in Eastern Europe as a whole, but now here particularly in. Uh, territories into which the Romanian army moved in the summer of 1941. And what Alti does in her article, she looks very specifically at this one place, small place in, again, in northern Bukovina. She tries to find out what the local dynamics were, which neighbors did what, how they rounded up Jews, how they killed them what the relationships between the different groups in this village were so I will not go into details because it's not my original uh, research It' all this research but I really recommend you you readers obviously to to buy the book and and to read it and especially to read this article because I think that's uh, something that is that is really crucial and that still can be done and should be done in Holocaust research that we look more specifically, we historians look more specifically at one, two little places, villages, towns, and see what happened there. I think we can learn a lot uh, from, from that. And there are really still gaps in the research. And Altivis, her article, she, she closes this one gap for this one specific place.
1: Your book refers to other pogroms and massacres that mm-hmm. have occurred elsewhere in Romania, in Banila on the Ceremos River, in Milecefe, in Nepolokivci, in Kiseliv, and in Sadagura. Can you tell us about some of these pogroms and massacres?
0: Yes. Um, so basically, when we look at the map of uh, Eastern Europe in the summer of 1941, We see that from the Baltic Sea all the way to the Black Sea, the German Wehrmacht and on the southern front, Romanian military, also Hungarian military, other allied forces move into the Soviet Union. And that's in a way the beginning uh, of the Holocaust in in these territories. We see that early on, sometimes even before the Germans or Romanian troops move in, neighbor start To kill their Jewish neighbors. There is a a great small book um, I would like to recommend also to your listeners. It's called Intimate Violence Anti Jewish Pogroms on the Eve of the Holocaust by Jeffrey Kopstein and Jason Wittenberg. It's a fantastic book that looks exactly at this kind of violence that happened in the summer of 1941 before the armed forces, the Germans and the Romanians move into these villages. And you see this across the board. Afterwards of course you have the much bigger massacres by the uh, Romanians, than by the by the Germans, by the SS Einsatzgruppen and so on. But this short window of opportunity, to, to say it a bit in a, in a cynical way, was used by neighbours to kill their uh, Jewish neighbours. And the villages you named, they are basically all in Northern Bukovina, are are typical for that. And what is very interesting when you look at them, it's very different, but still very much the same. So the same is that you have locals band up, uh, sometimes completely disorganized, just grab Jews from the street, kill them. Sometimes they are very organized. Often these are very small groups, five to 10 people. Farmers or other uh, local people, they band up, they grab Jews, they put them in a the cellar, they shoot them. Uh, you mentioned Nepolo Kiftsi as an example. There, uh, some Jews were running behind, uh, uh, were, were chased towards the, um, the river by some uh, farmers. And then, with pitchforks, they basically force them to jump into the river and they drown because they couldn't swim. Um, so, it's, a, it's really a, an extremely, um, these are extremely horrible, horrible stories. They're all the same in a way because you see this, this local violence, this intimate violence, like Kopstein and, and Wittenberg call it. But on the other hand, you see also big differences in the way that the local dynamics are very different from from place to place. You have uh, different leaders of these pogroms or massacres. Sometimes the groups are bigger, sometimes they're very small, sometimes they're organized, sometimes they're very disorganized and chaotic. Sometimes villagers also wait until the Romanian army moves in and start killing them. Sometimes, as I said, they start immediately, sometimes they don't do anything and the massacres are then perpetrated by, by the armed forces. So that's a bit the, the big picture you can see and the specific places you, you mentioned They are, as I said, all a bit the same, but at the same time also different in the specific dynamics.
1: What does the term double genocide mean and refer to in Romanian and Eastern European memory? How is Romania's attitude toward double genocide similar or different from other Europe, Eastern European countries?
0: Double genocide is a is a very problematic concept that I think most historians would, would not use, but it's more also a description of, of what we can see or we saw up until recently in, in many Eastern European countries. Basically, double genocide means that uh, these countries claim to be twice the victims of some totalitarianism which is by the way not not untrue uh, obviously uh, many of these countries have been a victim of Nazism of national socialism um, we know that when when the Germans moved into the Baltic States or into Poland or into uh, the, the Soviet Union with large, of course, they killed a lot of local people. These were the first victims of the invasion of, of, the, um, of the German forces, of the Wehrmacht. So they were victims. Then also the occupation was not obviously not a happy thing for, for those countries. Um, and then they claim that they have been a second time uh, victims uh, under communism, under Stalinism and obviously this is again true that uh, many of these countries uh, had a very, very painful uh, 40 or, or 50 years of, in a way, Soviet occupation and repression. Um, so, in a way, these these countries claim that they have been twice the victims. And it's also then a bit this, this uh, competition between victimhoods. And it's a concept, as I said, that is very problematic because I think we should look at each and every part of the history separately. Comparisons are possible, but often they don't make a lot of sense. We should talk about the Holocaust first and foremost. We can talk about the effect of uh, German occupation for these countries. We can talk about Stalinism and communism, but we should not mix these two things because it can easily also lead to a propaganda uh, elements that, that is still widespread, and was very widespread, and we'll come back to that also in Romania in, in the Second World War and before the Second World War, uh, the, the propaganda element of Judeo-Bolshevism, and we'll talk about that. I think Romania, when it comes to the double genocide, is, is not very different from other Eastern European countries. Uh, it was a, a discourse that was very strong just immediately after the end of the Cold War, when many in Romania claimed, look, we have been victims twice, we have been victims of Nazi Germany, we have been victims of the Soviet Union. And especially in the Romanian case, the first part is, is not true because Romania was an ally of Nazi Germany. It was an ally by choice. There was some pressure by the Germans, that for sure, but it was still uh, a fascist regime uh, in the 1930s in Romania. So I think the the double uh, genocide um this is a, is a very delicate one, and uh, it was sometimes just used as a smoke screen because you don't want to look at
1: the dark sides of your own history. How does your book advance our understanding of violence? What does this volume teach us about the anthropology of violence, the sociology of violence, and the psychology of violence?
0: For me, that's one of, of um, the things that disturbed me most when I did my research and still disturb me today. How is it possible that neighbours start to kill their Jewish neighbours? I have read testimonies of um, elder Jewish men in, uh, Eastern, in, in in Northern Bukovina. Northern Bukovina was until the end of the First World War a part of the Austrian-Hungarian Empire. And these men, as as young men, they served together with their gentile neighbors in the Austrian-Hungarian army. They fought together in the First World War. Then uh, this territory became, after First World War, and the disintegration of the Austrian-Hungarian Empire became a part of Romania, and then very briefly the Soviet Union. And then, when the invasion of the Romanian forces started, these Gentile neighbors started to kill their Jewish neighbors, with whom they had served in the Austrian-Hungarian M- uh, Empire army in the in the First World War. And you can read these testimonies of these Jewish men who say, "This is this is not possible. How is how is that possible?" And you have a lot of testimonies. Also, it's 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 very 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 difficult to understand. A lot of testimonies of of Jews who say in June 1941, we will not leave here. We we are okay here. Uh, we have not been bad to our Romanian neighbors. Quite to the contrary, we live with them in peace. Why should we should we run away? We 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 will leave, we will not leave our villages. And then the moment comes, uh, uh, beginning of Jul- July 1941 and you see these local massacres, this intimate violence across the board. And that's something that I find extremely dif- difficult to understand. I'm not the psychologist, um, but but how is that possible? What does it say about human nature? And obviously, um, I don't believe that history is really a, a good teacher. Unfortunately, we are not learning from history a lot because we have seen since the end of the Second World War and since the Holocaust, we have seen, other genocides, we have seen other mass killings. We see them up until up until today. So we don't seem to to learn that much about uh, um history. But I think what what I learned, and again, what is scary, how sin, uh, this this thing, uh, what we call civilization, really is, and how important it is that we have strong education, strong civic education, that we uh, learn to be tolerant, that we fight uh, anti-Semitism, that we fight, fight racism, that we have a, a much more profound understanding how delicate, uh, as I say, how sin this consensus is. Um, it's, um, it's scary in a way, it's scary because it gives you a view into human nature that this um, it, it's not very nice to see. And as I say, I up until today I struggle with this complexity and how is this how is this possible? And of course, there is also another side and I think I, I should mention it. There are also examples of very brave Gentiles who saved their Jewish neighbors. There are very few examples, but there are examples of villages in the regions uh, I researched where, for example, the mayor said, our Jewish brothers and sisters, they are our neighbors and we will not touch them. This doesn't, didn't save them in the long run. Many of them were afterwards deported, but there were no massacres in, in a few places. And I think we should mention, uh, uh, we should mention this side of, of human nature too. We can also see when the Romanian army marched in, commanders uh, very often ordered massacres, they uh, were in favor of their soldiers to massacre Jews. But we have also a couple, a few examples of Romanian commanders which said, under my watch, you will not kill Jews. Again, this didn't save them in the longer way, but in, in, in the longer run, again, they were deported later on, but they were not killed immediately. So this is, in a way, the, 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 the beautiful stories in a, in a very horrible overall story is these are these brave individuals who also show how human nature can also
1: be. What does your book teach us about the Yaj Pogrom? What new insights are provided regarding the Yaj Pogrom in your book?
0: So Yash is a relatively large city in the eastern part of Romania. It was always part of Romania, also in the uh, summer of 1941. It's in, in Romania proper. And it's uh, by far the biggest town in, in Eastern Romania. It used to be, a, a or is still a, a university town with a lot of students. Uh, there was a relatively strong uh, fascist student organization in Yars, so it was also a hotbed of uh, of Romanian fascism, but it was also very, mu- very much a Jewish uh, town. Very beautiful synagogue, I think from the mid 17th century that was renovated recently. Beautiful place. Uh, Very, very big Jewish cemetery uh, with some beautiful uh, gravestones also there. So in this place in Yash, at the end of June 1941, um, the Romanians organized, and I think you have to to call it like this, organized a full scale pogrom, where several thousand Jews were rounded up, killed in the city center. Several thousand Jews were rounded up and put into death trains. These death trains uh, run, ran through Romania for several days. It was inc- incredibly hot. Many uh, Jews in these trains suffocated, died from exhaustion. Overall, researchers believe, and I also think this figure is correct, about 13,000 Jews were killed in the YASH pogrom in the, and in the YASH death trains. This Pogrom is very important, and is it is uh, not very well known, even among historians. It was very important because the Germans watched it very closely. And in a way, it became a blueprint that the Germans later on used in large-scale massacres. They organized, especially the Einsatzgruppen, uh, for example, the babi massacre massacre in, in Kiev, other massacres with even more uh, victims than in than in uh, Yash. So the Germans really learned from, from the Yash, uh, Yash massacre. Um, there is a debate how much the Germans were involved in the logistics of it. I think they were a bit involved, but not that much. I think also the article by Henry Eaton in, in the volume Romania at the Holocaust shows that. It's quite clear that the original order to move ahead with the pogrom was given by the leader himself, uh, Marshal Antonescu, and it was a massacre mainly perpetrated by Romanians, by the police, by the gendarmerie, but also by locals. The locals were instrumental in identifying the Jews, uh, of course, it was, a, as I said, there was a really a, a big amount, a big percentage of the population of the town were Jews, so it was not that difficult to, to find them and to round them up, but local help was key. So I think there are two things that are still open uh, to debate when it comes to the Ash Massacre, and there is some newer publications now out from a uh, very famous historian, Radu Jornit, about the yashma massacre but two questions are still debatable one is the involvement as i said of the germans from my point of view it was a marginal uh, involvement and the second one is the exact figure of the victims uh, but i think there seems to be a growing consensus that about 13000 jews were killed in the yashma massacre
1: alone how has Holocaust memory in Romania changed and evolved between the 1990s and 2000s?
0: As I told you, immediately after the end of the Cold War, nobody in Romania really wanted to talk about the Holocaust. Romania came out of a quite a brutal dictatorship, Ceausescu dictatorship. So the Holocaust was in a way a taboo, still a taboo. And in fact, people didn't, didn't care too much about it, and they didn't want to, to talk about it, because obviously, as I, as I said before, Romania was an ally of Nazi Germany, and they perpetrated uh, uh, the Holocaust uh, quite in temp- in, independently from, from the Germans. So it remained a taboo, and, and, and Romania, in a way, searched for a new identity. Uh, they started in the 90s to look back at the time before communist dictatorship and started to to go back to Antonescu, who was seen as a kind of a hero, anti-communist and so on. So it was quite the revisionist, in a way, moment in, in uh, Romanian history. And it took quite some time and also some pressure from the outside to change this, to change the perception. Um, there were first books coming out Uh, the very first one that I would say is a comprehensive study of the Holocaust in Romania is called The Holocaust in Romania written by Radu Yonit Radu Yonit is a director at the United States Holocaust Memorial Museum he's currently serving as the Romanian ambassador in Israel and he published his book in 2000 and his book was a foreword by Elie Wiesel by the way uh, was really the, the first one which set the record straight. Then we had, in 2004, the final report of the International Commission on the Holocaust in Romania, or the holo- uh, the, the Wiesel Commission, and so with these publications, slowly but really slowly, the um, the discourse in Romania started to, to, to change. It became possible to talk about these issues, uh, it took quite some time, but over time, as I said, perception changed. And you can see this also when you look at school books. In the early uh, 90s and even in the 2000s, there was absolutely nothing about the Holocaust in Romanian school books. Um, there was a lot of talk that Romania was a victim of Nazi Germany, which is, is as I underlined, complete nonsense, obviously and then towards the end of 2000 and in in the, after 2010 you have a shift in in perception and you have a much more open and frank discussion about Romania's past and also a push to deal with Romania's past we have also young historians young romanian historians who start to do research you have more research also from from outsiders and i would consider Myself to be one of these outsiders who started to push uh, for for a new view uh, of of realities and also of the Holocaust perpetrated in Romania. So I think, and maybe one more thing I I, I would like to underline: Romania and also established the Holocaust monument in Bucharest it's uh it's quite remarkable i i think it's a, it's a really a great place of uh, memory remembrance uh, so these are, are positive steps and romania also started to play a very constructive role in the international holocaust remembrance alliance overall i think they came came a long way and uh, of course Uh, they still have to go a long way, they're not where they should be. But I think that's, um, that's always difficult when you have these dark spots in your own history to deal with them. I mean, also Switzerland, of course, there was no Holocaust perpetrated in Switzerland, but we also had dark spots in our history with Jewish refugees that were sent back when they were at our borders a uh, certain um, cooperation with Nazi Germany when it came to, ec- to the economic field. Of course, there was re- resistance also. But these, these are difficult things, even for a country like Switzerland, which was very indirectly, if at all, involved in the Holocaust, to, 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 to say these things openly, to deal with them and to say, we did mistakes, we should have done better so you can imagine how much more difficult it is for a country which was very directly involved as an ally of Nazi Germany in the second world war and which killed independently from from the Germans over 300,000 Jews but again i think they ca- they came a long way since since uh, 1989
1: how has holocaust history in romania similar or interconnected with the Holocaust history in Ukraine? How How is the Holocaust in Ukraine interconnected with the Holocaust in Romania? In what ways is the Holocaust in Romania interconnected with the Holocaust in Ukraine?
0: Um, that's a, a very interesting question, and I think it depends a lot on what you mean when you talk about Romania and when you talk about Ukraine, because, because obviously there was not a thing Called Ukraine in 1941. So, when we talk about Ukraine, we basically mean the territory of what is today Ukraine. And when we talk about Romania, and that's also then becomes very tricky, when we say the Holocaust in Romania, what do we need? uh, What do we we mean with Romania? Uh, Because obviously, what is today the Republic of Moldova was from July 1941 under control of Romania. And then we got when you go over the Dniester River, uh, what is today Ukraine, and uh, what was used, uh, what was called then Transnistria, was again c- controlled also by Romania, which in a way was also then part of the Holocaust in in Romania. So I think it's it's quite tricky when you use this term. So you would have to define exactly what you mean. Of course, they are very much connected because, as I said you had this move of german and romanian troops into these territories into ukraine what is today ukraine but also into the territory which is today ukraine but which was invaded by romania and what is today republic of moldova which we became then also controlled by romania so in a way there are these similarities because of the front moving into these territories and you have uh, a lot of local massacres. Then you have, of course, the armed forces, which perpetrate massacres. You have the Einsatzgruppen. So this is, in a way, is it, it, this is in a way interconnected. But I would go even further. Uh, basically, you can go from all the way up the Baltic Sea all the way down to the Black Sea. In 1941, you see the similar patterns of Jews being killed by different perpetrators because the war had started because the german army and of course the romanian army moved in these territories i think that's i mean the, the link is clearly the war itself the war made the holocaust possible in these territories because otherwise they would uh, the germans and the romanians would not have had access to these Jews so there is the interlinkage between war and the Holocaust, and this is the same for the territories we call today Ukraine, or the country that is today Ukraine, and the territories controlled by Romania.
1: Why is confronting its history during the Second World War a prerequisite for Romanian participation in NATO?
0: So in the in the early two thousands, Romania started to be very interested uh, in joining. The European Union, but also NATO. And obviously, both the European Union and NATO are not just alliances of interests, but also alliances of values. And it was made very clear to Romania by uh, both the European Union and NATO that one of the preconditions of joining this alliance of values, was to also look at its own history in an open and critical way and the fact that in 2004 the final report of the international commission on the holocaust in romania was published and in fact that it uh, there was this push to have such a commission had to do with the aspiration of Romania to join the European Union and NATO. Because then President Iliescu in 2003 said that there had never been a Holocaust in Romania, never been a Holocaust perpetrated by Romania. And this led to a huge outcry, and also the reaction of of, uh, NATO and EU countries saying, OK, if this is your position, I think there is no way for you to join us. So Iliescu was under quite some pressure to get this uh, Weasel uh, Commission in place, publish the report. He was there when the report was published. Um, And uh, I think this was, uh, in a way, one of the conditions that led to EU and NATO membership of of Romania. I personally am always a bit skeptical when it comes to outside pressure to pressure countries to deal with their own past is is difficult uh, because there can be very easily counterproductive uh, effects that people say, look, uh, we don't want to be lectured, we don't want to be pressured for someone. Uh, But I think in this case, it was important. It was an important impulse for Romania to deal with its past. And I think that it was linked to European um, integration and NATO integration was a correct thing to do because, as I said, both institutions see themselves also as alliances of values. And I think coming to grips with your own history is part of the values that we stand for. Uh, Difficult processes, we know, but still it's
1: important. How did you meet the contributors to this volume? What relationships unfolded among you? So when I started to
0: document uh, Jewish heritage heritage sites uh, in Romania and then in Moldova and Ukraine starting from 2008. I got to know a lot of people, or maybe not a lot of people because there are not that many uh, who have the same interest. but I got to know the people who shared my interest in uh, Eastern European Jewish heritage, Eastern European Jewish history. Uh, When I started to do research about the Holocaust in Romania. I got to know the scholarly community, which is active in this field. And as I said, it's a relatively small community. Radu Joannit became a friend of mine. Other researchers, I, I got to know them. So over the years, I started to have this um, these connections. And when I decided to publish this volume, I, of course, went back to to some of these friends and colleagues and told them, would you be ready to contribute to the book? And then there are also new ones I got to know because of the book I had not known before, but I thought that they would be able to contribute very interesting articles. And so my network grew even, even more by reaching out to, to other peoples. And uh, as I had published already quite a lot about, uh, about these issues, it was also easy for me to, to get to know uh, these, these people. So I was able to put together quite a, an interesting um, set of, of researchers, professionals, professional historians uh, in this book uh, who contributed really great articles uh, to the volume.
1: How has this book been received since it has come out? Did any responses surprise you? So the book
0: is really a scholarly contribution. For me, it was important that the articles meet uh, the highest uh, scholarly standards. At the same time, it was also important to me that this is a volume that can be read by someone who just has an interest for some reasons in the topic of Romania and the Holocaust and who is interested to learn something new so when you read these articles most of them are not really dry but but really well written and easily understandable some of them are really beautifully written i have some of uh, really of uh, of the best in 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 this field and so there are two kinds of reactions to the book also one reaction is, is maybe less surprising. I see, and I try still to follow uh, what is published on, on the topic, I see that uh, some of the articles are now cited are quoted in, in books about the issue, in scholarly, in other scholarly articles, so I see that apparently we're able to have really high quality contributions that are used now by other historians as, as a benchmark for their own research. That's uh, quite gratifying, that's positive, and that shows that, that we were able to put together really uh, a good volume. What is, however, much more important to me personally is that I received, not many, but but still a few, reactions from, from Jews, from families of survivors, but also families of victims from these places that we describe in in the book. And there are very, very touching moments that I receive an email from someone I've never heard about, um, whom I never knew, and who writes me, look, I came across your book and I would like to thank you because I have, up until now, I have not seen a publication, a book, anything about my village where my parents or grandparents were from, or where my grandfather or grandmother was killed and it's the first time in your book I, I see the name of this village and I read something about what happened to my family or my forefathers. I had a couple of these reactions, and I can tell you this is extremely gratifying. And um, it's uh, it relates back to what I said at the beginning. For me, remembrance, memory has a lot to do with justice. And if I can render a bit justice to some of the victims and their families, and can make their voices heard in this book, I think that's the the best I could have asked for.
1: What does your book teach us about propaganda during the Holocaust in Romania?
0: For me, it's very clear that the Holocaust did not just happen like this. It didn't happen out of the blue, but it was prepared. Um, it was prepared by propaganda, and this propaganda started already in the... In the uh, 19th century it was very strong throughout the 1930s and it led in a way to an ideological radicalization of large parts of of Romanian society because you cannot just motivate your soldiers to go into a neighboring country and just kill people there randomly maybe you, you will find some soldiers who do that but you need to prepare them and That you do this by propaganda. So there are basically two main um, elements in the Romanian propaganda before and then during the war. One is Judeo-Bolshevism. So basically Judeo-Bolshevism, the Caesar says that uh, all Jews are communists, so we have to punish them in a double sense because they are Jews and because they are communists. And this is particularly important in the Romanian case because as I told you Romania after the First World War integrated Bessarabia so what is today the Republic of Moldova and Northern Bukovina which is today uh, the Chernivtsi oblast in Ukraine they integrated these territories into Romania from the Soviet Union in the case of Bessarabia uh, not I'm sorry It was, of course, not the Soviet Union, but the Russian Empire, which collapsed, so Romania took over Bessarabia and they took over northern Bukovina from uh, the Austrian-Hungarian Empire. And then with the Ribbentrop-Molotov pact between the Soviet Union and Nazi Germany, Romania was forced to retreat from these territories, from Bessarabia and from northern Bukovina, and this was seen as a national catastrophe and the propaganda was extremely strong that responsible for the fact that Romania had to retreat were the Jews, and all the Jews were communists, so Judeo-Bolshevism was an extremely strong propaganda element. The second element in propaganda was quite classical anti-Semitism, which was clearly targeted to the rural population, and Romania was a very strongly rural uh, country in the 1930s still. Basically, these were the old, um, let's say, propaganda element of anti-Semitism going back over 1,000 years, saying that the Jews killed Jesus, so this uh, uh, Christian anti-Semitism, which was extremely strong, in Romania, and also propagated by uh, the uh, Romanian Orthodox Church, there are now a couple of very good uh, books written by young Romanian historians about uh, this uh, clerical or, or church anti-Semitism, which was very strong. So these were the two main elements of propaganda, and then was a third one, because overall Romanian anti-Semitism tended to be a bit less uh, focused on, on racism compared to uh, German anti-semitism. But you had also the propaganda element, we have to clean our territory, cleans our territory. We have to cleanse the territory we conquer in the East. Cleaning or cleansing meaning get rid of the Jews, get rid of the Roma and Sinti population and so on, get rid of, of everybody so that these can be territories populated by real so-called real Romanians. So this was an element that also was quite strong, but I think the underlying one, the, the strongest one, was Judeo-Bolshevism. On the one hand, and we have a, uh, an important article by Mariana Hausleitner, an outstanding German historian, uh, about Judeo-Bolshevism in the volume. Uh, so Judeo-Bolshevism was was a key element, and the other one was
1: the more traditional anti-Semitism as we bring our dialogue today to a close can you tell us about where your attention and time have gone since completing this book
0: so i have uh, continued to follow very closely uh, the debates and also the publications uh, about romania and the holocaust uh, i have also followed the questions of how romania is dealing with the holocaust holocaust memory and remembrance and we already talked about it and also the progress Romania has made in this regard. Uh, Personally, unfortunately, I have no longer any opportunity and uh, no more time to really go back to the archives and to uh, publish new research. What I do from time to time, I review books that come out. Um, There are a couple of books that came out last year also about the topic. Uh, so I I still try to be involved and uh, try to read up whatever comes out, but I'm no longer really involved directly into, into the research. What I have done, and which is now a very professional uh, thing, is that uh, I was tasked by um, my government, by the Swiss government, to lead an effort to have a Swiss memorial for the Holocaust victims and for the victims of National Socialism at large. This is a very interesting uh, project. There is no national Swiss memorial up until now. There are a lot of smaller local monuments, but not the national one. And for me, this is a, is a is a great opportunity to somehow put at use my experience and my research, but very specifically now in the Swiss context, which is, of course, very different from the Romanian one. But still, the question of Holocaust remembrance and Holocaust memory is something that comes to the forefront now also in my work. Of course, it's only a small part of what I'm doing, but uh, it's it's a very important part of my work. And I'm also professionally, because I lead the uh, Peace and Human Rights Division, I also lead uh, Swiss efforts in the International Holocaust Remembrance Alliance. And I have now also the... Um, close contacts with my counterparts in other countries and other foreign ministries who deal with these issues. So for me, in a way, it's a a personal journey that continues, a personal journey, this research, which started with documenting uh, Jewish heritage sites and then the Holocaust in Romanian uh, controlled territories in a journey that is, in a way, came to an end with the book. With Romania and the Holocaust, the volume I published in 2016, but which continues because I think when you have done so much research and when it has become a part of your, yeah, of your of your own personal life, it's not something you just give away. It's much too important to me because, as I said, for me, this research um, is maybe a small contribution to justice. And a small contribution to have the voices of the victims
1: heard. As we end our dialogue today, I'd like to let you know how thankful I am for your thoughtfulness and erudition, as you shared with me in this conversation, and also in the marvelous book that you put together. It's an absolute honor to be in dialogue with you. Thank you for the privilege of your time and attention. And thank you for all that you sacrificed to bring this wisdom and information to the attention of readers all over the world who will benefit from this knowledge and awareness. Thank
0: you so much, Ari. It has really been my pleasure to talk to you. Uh, and I hope uh, your listeners will enjoy the show and they will uh, have a look at the book. I think it's a, it's a great book. And thank you so much for for your interest. It has been really a pleasure to talk to you.
1: My pleasure. To our listeners, I am your host today on the New Books in Jewish Studies podcast, Ari Barbalat. I have been in dialogue today with Simon Gaze Bueller. We have been discussing his new book, Romania and the Holocaust Events. Context Aftermath, published in Stuttgart by ibidem Verlag 2016. It has been my absolute honor to have this privilege. Thank you very much for your time and your generosity.